So uh, the, the other day, my wife was going to uh, a particular clothing store, which she likes, and if I, if I understood it right, they were having a, a sale on top of a sale, and she had a coupon without any restrictions, and so she went. And I told her as she was going out the door, I said, if you see something you like, pick it up for me so I can give it to you for Christmas. That's pretty quick thinking, don't you agree? A few days later, I asked her what I had gotten her. And she wouldn't tell me. I guess she wants it to be a surprise. You know, she still hasn't told me, and I don't know if it's simply because she refuses to go along with my brilliant time and effort saving plan and she didn't get anything at all, or if she's just being really smart, knowing I won't go into Christmas morning without being certain there's a gift for her from me under that tree, and this way she'll end up with two things. Either way, my Christmas shopping isn't done. I don't think Anne has very much sympathy for my plight, but maybe you can. It's hard, you know, to get the perfect gift for the perfect woman. I ought to buy some grace. I joke about the shopping and gifts because we can let those things get out of proportion and because I know there really is so much more than that when it comes to Christmas. I know, just as you do, that the reason we even give gifts is because God himself gave the first ever Christmas gift when he gave us his son. And I know that no better gift has ever been given than that. So this morning, even though I started there, I'd like us to turn our thoughts away from the shopping and the gifts and all the other excitement so we may consider once again the real wonder of Christmas time, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I have to tell you, I'm going to do something very simple this morning. I've changed somewhat. Well, actually, I've changed a great deal of what I had planned to do this morning. Uh, Those of you who notice things like this would notice that the bulletin won't quite match up with what we're going to look at this morning. And that's okay. It's just a bulletin, and I think the change is for the better. What I want to do is I want to read you the Christmas story this morning as Luke tells it. When my children were young... I read this to them every Christmas Eve. And I'd like to read it to you now, but just before we do that, it it would be good for us to remember, to consider, that what happened over 2,000 years ago now on that very first ever Christmas day did not come out of nowhere. The story itself began before the world was created when God the Father determined that he would send his Son to save this world. And through the long history of this world, God was preparing the way for his arrival. 
He was putting all of the pieces together and laying the groundwork for all that was to come in all sorts of different ways. And through his promises and prophecies, he was telling us just what he was going to do so that when his son arrived, we might understand and better appreciate all that God has done by sending him. And as you look back over these years and all that God has indeed done, it's quite overwhelming. The commitment which in grace God has made to us who turned our back on him is again simply overwhelming. We, we see his determination to provide for the very thing that we need and which we could get in no other way. And it is quite awesome And the real sense of that word, it's awesome. And then in the fullness of time, as the Bible says, and everything was in place, then God sent his son. And so now with that as a backdrop, let me read you some of what the Bible says about that event from two different places in Luke. And those things will be on the screen on either side of me. If you were children, I would ask you to look at me. I don't have to do that here. But I would ask that you might just imagine that you weren't for a moment sitting in the church. That maybe you were at home with the people that you love most in the world. And someone took out a Bible just before Christmas time. And he or she read these words. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, for she who was said to be barren was and unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to me fulfilled. And then the angel left her. And then in chapter 2 we read, In those days... Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was 
governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried away, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. What a story. That last verse there, that's Luke's way of telling us that he got the story directly from the mouth of Mary. There is power in the Word of God. We know that God spoke the worlds into existence, and he still speaks in our day. And that's why we read the Bible. And that's why on Sunday mornings and at other times, uh, uh, all believers all over the world turn to his word. Creation itself is held together by the power of his word so that quite literally, God-haters would have no place even to stand as they hurl their invectives at God if it were not for the word. And that very word, the very word of God, which has the power to penetrate hearts and change lives, it can do so even with the hardest of humans. There is power in the word of God and power in the story that I just read you. And yet we don't merely come here and read the word, do we, when we come here on a Sunday morning. 
You see, God in his wisdom has so ordered things so that human beings are, are given the task of helping others to really hear what God is saying to them. And, and when it comes to the church gathered like it is right now on a Sunday morning, it is my heartfelt belief that God tailors his message as he speaks through pastors to his people. They hear a particular message at a particular time to a particular people and a particular place. That's how intimately involved God is in his churches and in the lives of his people. I have to tell you, I have a confession to make, a confession of sorts. (laughs) When I went to bed last night, I I knew in my heart, and in spite of all of the work I had done on the message for this day, that I'd missed the mark. Hours and hours of writing and rewriting, of agonizing and starting over and of praying. And when I was near finished, I knew that none of it measured up. You know, I have to tell you, a, a messenger without a message feels pretty useless and really quite miserable. <laughs> In all of my heart, I believe that what I am supposed to do when I stand up here on a Sunday morning is I'm simply supposed to deliver a message. And when I went to bed last night, I went to sleep with the words of that old saw kind of rolling around in my mind as I thought, well, I just guess I'll have to dance with who I brung And then this morning, I got up as always, and I read my Bible, and I prayed, and then God opened my mind, and he wanted me to say something to you today. It was clear to me what I was supposed to bring this morning. It's pretty simple, really, (laughs) and maybe it's too simple. Maybe that's why it was so hard for me, and I I guess in a way... I I already knew it all along. I knew it two weeks ago, but somehow I just didn't know how to say it. I just couldn't put it down on paper. And after all of that explanation, it seems almost anticlimactic for me to say it, but I really do believe it's what God wants you to hear this morning. So here it goes. God sent his son, born in that stable, born of a virgin, for a purpose. Well, is that it, Larry? Is that all that you have to say? (laughs) Well, yeah, I guess it is. It's as simple as that and maybe as profound as that. So hear me out for just a moment. I have told you something in the past, but I'm really glad to repeat it because it is so important. And what I've told you, I want every child who comes to this church to hear it. And and I think it ought to be the underlying theme of any children's Sunday school. And, And I want children to know from as young an age as we can teach them so that it's with them all of their lives. I want adults to understand it too. That God created you so he could love you. And God created you so that you could love him. 
And God created you for a purpose. And what he made you to do, no one else can do. Others can do things like it, similar to it, but only you can do what God made you to do. And when the Son of God entered our world, born as a child, born of Mary, and referring to himself as the Son of Man, he was loved by God. And he loved God. And he was born for a purpose. And in that, he is like us too. And the purpose went beyond the wonder of God becoming a man. It went beyond the mystery of a a chorus of heavenly beings singing about his birth in a field empty of all but a handful of shepherds and their sheep. Beyond the beauty of human faith and our loving God as seen in both Joseph and Mary as they obeyed him. And it's more than the pathos that we feel that any human being should be born in a situation, a mean estate like that as being born in a stable, much less that the Son of God should lower himself like that for our sake. He came to do what only he could do. The thing which no one else can do. He came to save us from our sins. Mary was told, call him Jesus. In Matthew's account, when Joseph is told to give the child that same name, the name of Jesus, he was told the reason for it. It's because he will save his people from their sins. And we're to call him Jesus. It's what, it's what we call him. It's a Latin variant of the Greek name Jesus. But it's the meaning behind it which is so important. Jesus itself was a rendering of the Old Testament word Yeshua. We call him Joshua. And it means rescuer or deliverer. And that name itself is a combination of the word Yahweh, the I am, that I am. And that name itself is a combination, again, uh, uh, telling us who God is. It's the name of God Almighty. It's the Tetragrammaton, the name which the Jews do not pronounce because in their mind it is too holy to even say. And that name is put together with a few other letters, and it means Yahweh saves, or it means Yahweh is salvation. In our language, we would say, Almighty God is our Savior. And it's true. The angel declared to Mary that her child was the Son of God. The angel told the shepherds that the Savior had been born and was laid in a manger. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus means God saves. We call him Jesus. The theology behind this truth is most profound. Only a man can pay for the sins of man. And only God is big enough to bear all the sins of all the world. And so God became a man. The very thing that he needed to do 
so he could take care of our sin. It was his purpose, and only he could do it. And in this case, no one else can do anything remotely like it. Uh, There is no salvation in any other name. It's not in any other religion. It's not in science or education. You cannot save yourselves. You cannot even undo one of your sins. And you know in your heart that there are many, many more than just one sin in your life. You cannot stop sinning no matter how hard you try. You need a Savior. And that's why Jesus came. That's the message this morning. (laughs) Simple and as profound as all of that. We need a Savior, and God sent him. Most of us here this morning need this simple reminder. And sometimes the best teaching is just helping us to remember what we already know. But some of you may need more. Some of you may still be on the outside. And some of you uh, may not have understood what really happened all those years ago. Some of you have even loved Christmas. And maybe you even loved uh, something beyond just the gifts and the fun. And maybe for the first time in your life, you feel a space in your heart which is empty. And others of you maybe have missed out on even the most basic Christmas happiness. Maybe all of your life you felt left out. Maybe you're philosophical about it. You've come to accept it, but you might not admit it. Not easily anyway, but deep down you wish that things had been different. Can I tell you, it is even better than you think you've missed out on, it's better than what you could have imagined. For God so loved the world. For God so loved you that he gave at that very first Christmas the best thing he could give. He gave his one and only son, that if you come to him and trust in him, you will not perish. You will instead have everlasting life. That was his purpose. That's why the Son of God came. He came for you. And he's waiting for you now. He will show you the real meaning of Christmas and he will keep on showing it to you for the rest of your life. And I'm telling you, I'm here to help you receive God's gift. There are others here who could do the same. And after service today, I'll be right outside here or I'll be in the foyer. And if you need to talk, you come and see me. And if God is speaking to you today, don't ignore him. You don't know what a day might bring. And there are those you know who also need to hear 
come and see me. Come and talk with me. By the way, the story's not yet done. Not only is there still your part, but there's more to come. And we'll talk about that the next time. Would you pray with me, please? It indeed is awesome that our God could do what he did. Thank you. And thank you, Lord, that you have not stopped, that you continue to work in the lives of people. And once again, I do pray, if anyone is here that has not put their faith in you, please, Lord, so work in their hearts that they can't resist and will come and fall before you in all of who you are and your love for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.